Hi, you're listening to After Dinner Conversations, short stories for long discussions. What that means is we get short stories, we select those short stories, and then we discuss them specifically about the ethics and the morality of the choices the characters and the situations put us in. Uh, why did you do this? What makes you do this? What makes us good people? What's the nature of truth, goodness, all of that sort of stuff? Uh, and hopefully we're all better, smarter people for it and, uh, and learn a little bit about why we think the way we think. So thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome back once again to After Dinner Conversations, short stories for long discussions, where we take short stories uh, that we've published in the After Dinner publication, and we discuss some of them and say, you know, what do we think? What do we like? What don't we like? Um, and hopefully we have some sort of uh, intelligent conversations involving this, which is, you know, what we're shooting for. Uh, as a couple of quick reminders... We have a bunch of new Patreon subscribers, which I meant to have names to read, uh, and I totally forgot. So I'm going to put them on the screen uh, for those of you watching the YouTube video. So uh, here are the Patreon people, um, which I totally forgot to uh, read the names off of. At any rate... Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, we would love it. We've had quite a few people doing that lately. And if you do support us on Patreon, uh, we've added a new bonus, which is you get a free copy of our first paperback anthology, season one, uh, mailed to your house, assuming you're in the United States. We're not having to, like, mail it to Mongolia or something. Okay, the intros have been too long, so let's just get into it. Uh the this story, I, I'm going to do the. the By the way, I'm oh. your co-host Ashley. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, and I'm your co-host Jeremy. Sorry, I t well. Here's the thing: like I go to. Does he I, just forget about us all the time? I, I don't know, Jeremy. Yes, so he does. <laughs> so here's the problem: is I look, I edit the intros, and I'm like, wow, it was three minutes before we started talking about the story, and so I was trying to. To, 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 to make the intro shorter, and I totally didn't do that, and I forgot to introduce you guys. I'm sorry. It's okay. I got yeah. you back. This is why yeah. it's a team this effort. This is why it's a team effort. Sorry about that. Maybe I just need to write it all down. Uh, okay, so there's a thought. Uh, there's a thought. Maybe, <laughs> maybe actually You were supposed to just write down names, and you forgot that, too. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you should write down a paragraph, maybe three paragraphs, like Jeremy does. Right. I just, uh, I just watched those episodes where, with Jessica, and you had your intro was this big, and yeah, someone it was flipped long. out. It was long. It was good. It was just long. Uh, yeah, all right, so so much for the short intro. Uh, that's, all, that's all right. I'll, re I'll remember the Patreon people for next time. Uh, okay. How the Cockroach Lost Its Voice by Samuel Reffler. It's actually a children's story. It's uh, the first children's story we've had in a while, I think, uh, in a fair while. Uh, so the story is really straightforward because it is a children's story. Basically, there are two cockroaches, a like grandfather cockroach and a, uh, like a, an uncle. A, a like uncle, an uncle and a child cockroach. And they wander to the top of, you know, their Mount Everest, which in this case is the refrigerator. And they go to the top of the refrigerator where the dust is soft and sweet. Uh, and they look out on the humans and the guy says, look at these giant beasts. They are, uh, they are called humans and they can talk just like us. And then one of them says like, I want coffee. And he's like, oh my God, they talk. He's like, yes, but they are very sad because they have a third inner eye and it allows them to 
uh, think of the past and imagine futures that haven't happened. And that is why they are sad and they will always be sad forever. And then uh, the angel moth comes down uh, and the angel moth says, uh, we are going to punish you all, the cockroaches, and they take away the cockroaches' voices, but they leave the humans' voices, and that is the end of the story. And the cockroach, I think in the end, says something like, why don't you take away the humans' voices? To which the, the moth, the angel moth, says, uh, you know, only after they've consumed everything and done everything and taken everything will they ever, you know, uh, maybe be happy but they're beyond, like, basically, we were beyond hope, and that's why he didn't take away our speech. Uh, and that's the end of the story. Cockroaches can't talk now, and humans can. It had kind of the feel of, like, a like a, like a Native American or an Aboriginal or sort of a folklore sort of thing, like the story of the coyote or something. Uh, and that's the story. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, Jeremy or Ashley, do you want to start off what you thought liked? Jeremy? Sure. Um, I I like the story. It's pretty well written. The uh, um, I like kind of that whole idea. Um, it reminded me of a couple of things, uh, a couple of other uh, stories that I've read, um, basically about human development as well as uh, differences in languages that um, that we can bring up while we're talking about this. Oh, what do you mean by difference in languages? Um, okay, so. Uh, this reminded me, it's an NPR story, I don't remember which one, um, but somebody was talking about uh, they grew up learning two different languages, and I don't remember which one it was, but that her uh, father wasn't very good at English, but whatever this other language was didn't have the uh, future subjunctive, and so they couldn't say, they didn't have a way to say, if it hadn't rained, we would have gone to the uh, pool later. Okay. Which is a uh, very specific to English. It's Apparently something it's that would have happened. Right. Something that would have happened in the future didn't isn't going to happen because of something in the past. Gotcha. And so other languages don't have that, so people can't really think about, you know, why and he always said to her, "Why are you always thinking about things that aren't going to happen?" Oh. You know, and that's it's, interesting. it's just this thing that he couldn't do in his language. Do you remember what language it was? No, I'd have to go back and look it up. I'm sure okay. somebody will comment on this and, like, I heard that story, too. Yeah. Um, wow, so language really is the limiter of the way of thinking. Because if you don't have a language to express it, there's no way to verbalize it. Right. Or some things. Yeah. That, you know, and, and that really tied into this idea of being able to imagine the future is, yeah. you know, the the possibilities of what could happen. And what if your language, there's no way to express that in this, your native language. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I know, like, so I'd learned, you know, Mandarin for a year so I could speak it badly. And so I could be wrong on this because I learned it badly. But it there were, there was there was no conjugation in Mandarin. You would say, yesterday I go to the store. And that meant, like, I went to the store. Um. And, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe my language skills weren't ever good enough for it to affect it, or maybe because I spoke English as my first language. But that's interesting, this idea that uh, that your ability to form, that, that the constructs of your language might help assist with the wiring of your brain. Uh, because, 
you know, we had that conversation last week or a couple weeks ago about, and we've had this conversation before, I think, in other podcasts, about how uh, censorship or removing words doesn't really remove the thoughts. And I think we generally are of the opinion that it mostly doesn't, right? Um, but the idea that the structure of your language, through no censorship at all, might simply change the way you your brain wires itself is an interesting yeah. thing. So I, I have read that, uh, and this, I, this one I know is true, is that uh, people that learn tonal languages are much more likely to have perfect pitch and to be much more likely to um, be good at musical pitches because their brains are wired to hear uh, tones. Yeah, they're practicing it all day. Yeah, from the time you're right. a baby, you hear tones and tones matter, as opposed to in English, where tones don't matter at all, except to make a word a question. Uh, see, that was me trying to, because a, a rising tone at the end of a sentence makes it a question. Um, uh, but in other languages, not the case, right? And so we have trained our brains to ignore tones. Uh, and so we, we just, we just don't hear them because they're, because they're irrelevant. Now imagine you're in one of those cultures where this, you don't hear anybody talking about future tense in a way. Imagine if you develop that thought, how scary that must be that you don't even have the language words to convey what you're trying to. Mm. Like it'd be like imagine if you had duct tape over your mouth. Like I want to explain about we would have gone to the store, but it rained. Like you can't even verbalize that. That's got to, and you you're having that thought. That mm. must be so scary. Like know. you have this thought, and there's no way for you to express it. So it, it makes well, me wonder how many people have you, that you, thought, you, but they can't. Or, or you might not even have that thought because you didn't have the right. language. Exactly. Well, I mean, either yeah. way. I, I, I wonder how many people have that thought and just can't express it, and how many people just don't even have that thought to begin mm. with. Right. I think that's the point, is that language definitely wires how we can think. And so uh, the point of that is, you know, the, of that particular story was that in that language, they didn't have this concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because there was no way to express it, and they never thought about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Interesting. So one of the things that Ashley and I had talked about yesterday or two days ago was one of the questions that they had about the, um, do other animals have a third eye or is that just, first off, I, I assume, but if I'm wrong, correct me, that you both believe in this sort of like this concept that one of the things about humans is that we can imagine the future that won't happen and we can remember past that both did and didn't happen, right? That's the sort of idea of this third eye. Imagination. Story. Yeah. Yeah, right. that we we that we that we extrapolate potential scenarios. Um, do you think that that's a? We were talking about this. Ash and I were talking about this yesterday. The extent that we thought that this was a a human exclusive thing, uh, and I, I think I was more of the, I was like eighty percent yes. And I think Ashley, you were probably like twenty percent yes or thirty percent yes. I definitely think there's other species that have the ability to extrapolate thought, maybe not to the degree that we do, but they can definitely, uh, I use the example, Colby's like, well, how do they think about the future? Or like, what was the example you used? I just thought of a dog. Like a dog is very much in the present moment. But if you go to the vet and then you go to the vet, like they realize, oh, we're going to the vet and then they feel that. Like they're freaking out in the car. They're freaking out in the car. Like they, when you're driving, you don't have to say anything. As soon as they realize the pattern, they 
know where it's going. Right, or, and there's some anxiety associated with that. Exactly, or they're going to the park, and there's they, they recognize something, they smell something, and they realize, oh, we're going to the park. And you see them get really excited the, the closer that you get. Um, so I think they have some ability to remember, hey, this is where I was before, or put the pieces together and think of the future and be like, oh, this was a fun place for me. Now I'm really excited. We're going here again. So yeah, I think a that's point. a very small bit of another species being able to do that. I don't know. I'm not that well familiar with other species' know. mental capacities. But uh, that was my example that I had used. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I should have researched this a little. Because um, <laughs> I... But again, I'm just going off memory. I feel yeah. like in relation to these these other things that I've read, they've talked about um, chimpanzees and apes who are taught sign language, and there's mm -hmm. a very they are very limited in the concepts they can express. So, sure. in that kind of same way, where there is a limitation to uh, what they can again what they can think in that language. Um, so this also is sort of related when we talk about this third eye and I'll have to later I'll get you the uh, the name of this book um, that talked about this and you can put it in the show notes or in the yeah you know at the I end of that. the end of the podcast so you I read this other right book and, here right <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I, don't, I don't have to do that I don't remember what it's called at the moment but it was a book about early human development and it specifically talked about um, what happened uh, in in early history when there were multiple races of humans. So not just Homo sapiens, but when Homo sapiens and, and uh, Neanderthals coexisted, yeah. um, there were other races of sapiens as well. Um, but Homo sapiens basically won out because the we have the ability to, and it's basically this, this idea of imagine the future and really come up with stories uh, so there's this shared identity um, that allowed mm. them to plan for the future um, through, and it's also uh, associated with the, the concept of mythology. So they were able to come up with shared stories about where they came from and where they were going. Sure. Um, and that gave them an advantage. And so one of the things that led to the extinction of the Neanderthals, um, not necessarily that Homo sapiens killed them off, but that we outproduced them. Sure. We were better so, at hunting because we could share all of this knowledge and uh, in better language. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I'll, I'll, sorry, I just realized I wasn't recording. Uh, so now you're going to have video. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's going to be a mess. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, yeah. So one of the things that, um, that was interesting to me and maybe, fr I don't know, like it's a fable. It's, a, it's, a, it's meant not to be like an authentic story, but one of the things about it that I was a little, I don't know, mixed on was the story makes it seem pretty straightforward. Like humans think about the future and remember the past and think about, uh, you know, things that might happen and it makes them sad. And that is why they are bad. But going to your point, uh, that is also, I think why we are successful to go to your th Neanderthal point, Jeremy, is right. if you don't imagine the future, you, you can't plant crops, right? If you don't imagine the future, you can't know to store 
um, food over the winter or where things grow or what's poisonous and what's edible, right. what animals are safe and not safe. Like, you know, uh, shared knowledge for a group, yeah. you know, for that whole culture. Right. I mean, in the sense, even that we would have it today with the internet, that if, you know, if one person in India discovers something within days, it can be published and at least at some level disseminated to the world, but within weeks or months, like the entire world can know what one person figured out, right? If somebody finds an asteroid coming towards the earth, it will be days before the entire world is aware of it. Um, and that sort of shared knowledge and that ability to sort of, um, Hi, this is Colby, and you are listening to After Dinner Conversation, short stories for long discussions. But you already knew that, didn't you? If you'd like to support what we do at After Dinner Conversation, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash afterdinnerconversation. That's right. For as little as $5 a month, you can support thoughtful conversations like the one you're listening to. And as an ad incentive for being a Patreon supporter, you'll get early access to new short stories and ad-free podcasts, meaning you'll never have to listen to this blurb again. At higher levels of support, you'll be able to vote on which short stories become podcast discussions, and you'll even be able to submit questions for us to discuss during these podcasts. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being the kind of person that supports thoughtful discussion. Um, and that sort of shared knowledge and that ability to sort of um, to, to hypothesize and, and, and spread and, and have this collective memory uh, has a huge advantage, has a few, huge, uh, you know, sort of Darwinian advantage. Um, and so one of the questions that I thought was interesting is, uh, was, you know, is, is the sort of pain worth the trade? Uh, and it seems like that for humans, it has been, but, you know, dogs have done okay, uh, and they only have a limited ability of that. And other animals have done okay, and cockroaches have done even better than humans, probably. Uh, and they don't have the ability to imagine the future. Um, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting thought to me about how, like, I'm not sure it's as clear cut as a, as a, a negative as the story makes it out. Right. And, and you would really have to, I, I think, look at a lot of other factors. You know, how, how is this ability uh, to plan for the future really affecting our impact on the planet, for example, um, in, in yeah. a good way or a bad way? Um, yeah. And other, other species. Yeah. So, Ashley, you didn't really, as I recall, you said you didn't much care for this story a ton. Uh, not, not the story, not the, like, but just the, the concept of it or the thing. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but... Mainly because I think our limitations... It's easy for us to study ourselves because we have a way of communicating and we talk to each other. Uh, I think other animals interact with each other in a language that we just don't understand. And so to us, we're like, oh, he's just flapping his flipper. But maybe to like a dolphin, mm -hmm. it means something so much more. Who's to say they don't believe in some fictitious creature and we just can't even know about it yeah i'm just saying right i'm just saying and so uh i definitely 
see where it's going that, you know, humans are trapped in this, uh, you know, world of doom, quote unquote, from the story that we're just, it just seemed like, oh, they're going to forever and ever be unhappy because of this third eye. And I'm like, well, uh, uh, maybe not that straightforward. Maybe not that straightforward. Yeah. So, so one of the things about it that I, uh, that I, Again, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, I loved the story. I thought the story was great because it made me think about all this. Is the assumption was that um, that we consume, right? It said they're going to consume the the honey on the top shelf. They're going to consume the can of food. And they're going to consume everything because of this third eye. Because they imagine, uh, because they imagine, right? And it wasn't necessarily in the story. It wasn't necessarily tied to imagining the future or the past. It was just they imagine. Uh, and that part I thought was really maybe, I don't know. I, th- I understood the point of it, right? The point is, is that, um, that I sit here and I think about what I don't have and that makes me angry and that makes me consume. Um, or even, you know, you imagine a future without, which makes you anxious. Mm-hmm. Right, like the millionaire who's afraid they're going to become less wealthy, and so they they hoard their money even though they've got millions of dollars because tomorrow they, something might happen and they might not be rich tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Now, just kind of when the cockroach could talk, you know, for your example, the climbing of the refrigerator was their Mount Everest. Yeah, I like Imagine that. Imagine if another cockroach came from the building over and was like, we have a Mount Everest too, but it is uh, this giant television. They'd be like, I can't even imagine that. You know, is it it because they don't have a third eye? Like, I uh, like how do they? They can't even. Is their imagination limited? I don't get it. Like, I just. Yeah, I mean, the right. cockroaches do. The cockroaches do the very thing that they're criticizing humans for doing, right? Like, they walk to the top of the fridge. Because they knew there was a top of the fridge they were trying to get to, mm-hmm. which means they had to imagine, right? Because they had so they had to imagine themselves walking like a distance, like with a purpose. And so, in that sense, the cockroaches are doing the very same thing that they're having the humans do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to the top of the fridge to have a moment that did not yet exist. Uh, but I think the the moral of the story is maybe different than that, of course. And that is just like calm down there. Like, don't be anxious. Don't be don't be fussy. Just like enjoy the moment. And that part I did appreciate. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys don't have much you want to talk about on this one. That I'm. It's no, fine. I, 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 it's, like it's, it's a children's it story. It's a children's story. Yeah. And so that that would make sense. Um, all right, then we will. <laughs> I feel bad. Like two thirds of us didn't you have video. You really liked the story. I love Anything this story. else that you want to so bring I, out of yeah, it? I I was kind of so so. Yeah. But. So so it was definitely a children's story, and that is why there wasn't as much to talk about, which is totally understandable. Um, the thing I loved about it, uh, and the reason that I'm glad that it got included in our stories, and I, I picked it for our podcast, as a matter of fact, um, is I liked the idea of just like, like don't. Like, it's, it's meant to be a folktale, right? A fable. But this fable of, like, hey, like, don't be anxious. Like, the world comes, like, the future comes one day at a time. And so if you imagine uh, all of the things that could go wrong, that is overwhelming. 
But if you imagine what is going to happen today, that is manageable. Um, actually, one of my favorite uh, lines from any movie, uh, and it's, it wasn't a great movie, but there was a Superman remake. Um, I've actually think I've told both of you probably the story before because it's such a favorite part of mine. If I haven't, I'm going to repeat it anyway. Uh, where the young Superman, the little kid, hears all of the voices of everyone because he can't control his powers. And so he runs and hides in a closet. And, uh, and the mom comes and is talking to him through the door. And he says, there's too much. I can't, like, there's too many voices. There's too many people. I can't, uh, the world's too big. And her comment is, uh, make it small, right? Just focus on my voice. And I think that, and that's what he does, right? He, 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 he's, he focuses on like her voice and her moment and to make the world small, so to speak. Uh, and I think that that in the Superman movie, but also that in the story, I think is a really apt lesson that like, like, yes, the world is big. Yes, there are a million things. Yes, there are a million problems. Yes, you know, what are you going to do when you get old and you don't have a retirement or you get sick and you live in America and there's no health care or whatever? Yes, all of that. But, like, make it small. Like, make it what, small what can- and I, I think in a lot of ways live in the live in the now, live in your moment. You yeah. Know, make that worthwhile and, and important um, but I- as opposed to having just anxiety about all the things you can't control. Right. But I think the mind is a very, very powerful thing. As much as you want to try to make it small, it's that mind that can create and envision a future that drives us every single day. So as easy as it is to try to think, oh, just make it smaller, it's like, hold your role there. Like It's also the thing that derives such great power and drive and motivation and is uh, so important to us as a species yeah. uh, that you can't just ignore that. Right, right. You, ha- you have to do both. And that's, that, I think, is the part that is really hard to do, is you have to imagine a future without food, so you plant crops. But you have to not think about a future without food. In order to live in the now. In order to live in the moment. Yeah. Right. 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 So you have to both understand the future, but not have it have hold too you. much anxiety. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the part from a children's story, I think is a really good children's story lesson. Right. Uh, and so in that part of it, I really did appreciate this story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think you definitely, for, for kids, you have to uh, bring that into their consciousness very carefully. I remember taking on my parents' financial burden and my mom like, this isn't your problem. And I'm like, but I can't stop thinking about it because of dad's job. And then what, what, what can I do? And now it's my responsibility. I just remember, um, being very worrisome as a kid for, because this was ingrained. These were the issues my parents were dealing with was we need to plan for the future and not have it inhibit us being happy now, but, oh, crap, we are in a bad situation. And that was very much the forefront of our family. And so I took that on as a right. kid, and that was very uh, – I don't know you, if Maybe you should have read this story. I don't know if it's age inappropriate. No, they. my parents sat me down, and they were like, listen, this isn't your issue. We are going to be fine. Like, you you need to not – but me as a, as a kid, I didn't yeah. have that uh, – I don't know if it's – 
mental maturity or I've never faced anything yeah. like that in this world. My life up until that point was, yay, happy, great. And this was my first big introduction to the big bad world. And it was uh, a big adult problem and I was not capable of handling it. <laughs> so. so how do you think this fits in with uh, the fable of the ant and the grasshopper? What is the fable of the ant and the grasshopper? Uh, well, it might be a little too long to get into, but basically the the ants prepare for winter, but the grasshopper just sits around and doesn't. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm sure enough. you've heard that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand the concept, yeah, for sure. Why do you spend your days working, working, working right. when it's a beautiful day outside? Right. Yeah, it's a really hard balance. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's a children's story, so it's, but it's, I think, an important and useful story in the sense that it's for what it is. Uh, Why do they use insects? An ant, grasshopper, <laughs> cockroach. I'm like, come on now. Well, because that's what children think about, right? Like children think yeah. those things. Yeah, like you, uh, you can't be like, okay, so one photon talks, <laughs> is, walks into a bar with a quark, and they say uh, infinite possibility. Yeah, right, uh, right. Quark was the bartender. That's right. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, There's your uh, Star Trek reference. Thank for the day. you. I God, God forbid we would skip an episode of that. Every Star Trek episode, reference. every episode, yeah. Star Trek yeah. reference. All right, so we'll cut this one a little bit short. It's probably we'll probably do for a shorter one since a few have gone long. Uh, you have been listening to After Dinner Conversation, short stories for long discussions with Colby, with Ashley, Hello. and now with video. Jeremy. Hi. <laughs> uh, but no. We'll just do like a visual stand-in. We'll just have like your face, and yeah. you'll just be like, "Oh, that's fine." And then we'll we'll do like the what is it this the snap yes. filter where your mouth is just <laughs> moving, moving yeah. and <laughs> I'd like to see that. That'd be pretty good. That, that would, would be, be good. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, we've got a season two story coming out uh, pretty soon in August. So uh, about the time this will be getting close to getting ready to come out. Um, additionally, um, uh, please uh, like, subscribe, support us, um, support us on Patreon. It'd be even better. You can have your name forgotten but put in text uh, for the next episode. All right. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, and we will see you for our next podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe. Uh, it helps us out a ton. You know, the vast majority of people listen haven't liked and subscribed, which means maybe it shows up in your algorithm. Maybe it doesn't. So don't leave that to chance. Just go ahead and hit that button. And we'd sure appreciate that. And uh, that way we can keep doing what we're doing and you're not left to the whims of some algorithm. Thanks.